0: it's a simple thing, but it's also one that says you see that there's a problem that we need to solve. You may not have the answer, but you're willing to go try and help find it. And that's a big thing.
1: Hi, I'm Nils Vigna, and you're listening to the B2B Leadership Podcast, a show dedicated to demystifying leadership development one conversation at a time. Each week, I sit down with leaders in the B2B space to discuss their journey and what they've learned along the way. This podcast is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. And the B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. So head on over to B2BLeadersAcademy.com to join and become the leader you have always wanted to be. Hello and welcome to another episode of the B2B Leadership Podcast. My name is Nils Vinya, and today my guest is Mike Egan. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks Nils, I'm glad to be here. I'm excited to have you on, Mike. Would you share with me and our audience here the role that you're in today and the company that you work for?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, right now I am the vice president of customer success for a company called BenchSci. BenchSci is a hyper-growth Toronto scale-up company working in kind of the pre-clinical R&D space. So our customers are the largest pharmaceutical companies in the world, and our mission is to help them run more effective experiments to get drugs to market that much faster. And we have, you know, some pretty, pretty hairy and audacious goals to accomplish by 2025. And uh, it's been fantastic to be part of it for the last couple of years. Uh, it's a fun place to be for sure. The
1: R and D space, and you know, working with pharmaceutical companies, give us a sense. You know, these clinical trials and all things like that. They, those are things we hear about in the news and whatnot. And they always seem like they're an eternity, like they take forever. And you guys are trying to accelerate that. Tell us a little bit more about how that works. I'm just really curious about how you make it go faster.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So our our platform is an AI and machine learning platform to help scientists run better and more effective experiments. So we help them, you know, kind of doing the research on the front end to to accelerate the time frame to get them to the point where they're, you know, kind of ready to to take a drug that much further down the path into trials and otherwise. So yeah, it's uh it's a really interesting space. I mean, obviously very in the news now with COVID and everything for sure, and I think everybody has a has a much more much more of a visibility into what that process looks like than probably ever before
1: yeah and that's fantastic and just the fact that ai and machine learning which you know gets talked about a lot but the applications literally are pretty much endless and here's a perfect case like clinical trials i probably never would have thought of that as being a perfect application for it but you guys are making it happen love it
0: we effectively try and read uh, like the world's scientific knowledge you know as a scientist and help put that in front of scientists which is fantastic yeah
1: That's, yeah, extremely exciting. Cool. Well, I'm glad that you're doing it because acceleration on drugs and approvals is an important thing for everybody. So I appreciate that very much. All right. So let's start talking leadership and let's go backwards in time. I want to learn how did you get into your very first leadership position?
0: Yeah, it's a great story. So, you know, I had spent several years working for for kind of a a growth company. I was in the financial space, financial sector from an IT perspective, and had, you know, kind of worked my way through the company for several years, you know, as a high level individual contributor. And, you know, we had actually just gotten acquired by Intuit at the time. And in that process, you know, things change. We go from being a company of four or 500 people to being a company of, you know, 5,000 people, things start to change a little bit. And, And I think as I, as I thought about, you know, what was my path and what was ultimately my passion for, you know, for what the next step might be, I was at this decision point. I could probably stay there for a long time and be very comfortable in a role and probably continue to progress a little bit, but wasn't going to kind of get into a dynamic situation of any kind. I decided to put some feelers out and I actually, you know, stumbled on a job that was taking my, my expertise at the time and kind of software quality assurance and, and, and leaning into that. And this was a leadership position. So I, I immediately, I went to work for a startup company that was in a very different space. It was in the healthcare IT space and inherited a team of nine, which was really interesting as a first time manager. But, you know, it was one of those things I, I realized that I could probably stay and let the grass grow under my feet, or I could, I could kind of spread my wings and try and, you know, try and lean into the leadership piece that I, that I really felt like was was where I wanted to head.
1: Okay. So you were at a company that had four or 500 people. Got a, That company got acquired by Intuit, which is much larger and publicly traded company, thousands and thousands of people. And then you left to go take on a leadership position and inherit a team of nine as the very first thing you did from a people leadership perspective. That's pretty amazing. Reflecting back when you're looking at, you know, do I stay here and into it? There's a lot of opportunity. This is a big organization, you know, probably have some decent career paths and such and whatnot. And then you decided that, you know, maybe this isn't the right place. Like, what was it that got you over the hump? Because I know I've been in similar positions. Other people listening have been in those positions where you're like, this is pretty good what I have right now but what am I really going to get if I give this up and what's on the other side? So how did you overcome that hurdle to get to the point where you said, you know what, I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to go to the startup and do something totally different?
0: It's a great question because as, as you think about that in your mind, right, you're you're evaluating the, you know, I've got this comfortable thing. I've got this, you know, I've I've clearly been successful in what I've been doing. I could stay here and do this. And now you're stepping out with a company that is trying to come up that is in a much different place and I think what I thought about in the back of my mind is you know what types of things would I be exposed to by making this jump right you know I'm going to be exposed to a startup environment I'm going to be exposed to understanding what it like, what it's like to work you know and have to kind of fill in the empty spaces that that come with being at you know kind of a startup scale up growth company right is a lot of times roles are not very specifically designed. And and I, in my mind was saying, you know, this might be an opportunity for me to touch other things. And it absolutely was, because ultimately I pivoted to being very customer facing probably before, you know, before leaving that company and moving on to other things. So, you know, I, I saw it as an opportunity to really, touch on marketing, touch on sales, be involved in a process of understanding how to get product to market. It was it was very much at a, at a deeper level, but I figured I would be able to touch a lot more things and kind of spread my wings a little bit.
1: I love how you said that, that what would I be exposed to if I took this, took this and made this shift, if I took this risk, right? And I think oftentimes we can get so caught up in the, what we have now that, The other side is like, well, what if it's not like this? And that's actually a completely different way than you phrased it, which is, well, what are what would I be exposed to if I did take this? And I think that's a really good lens for anybody looking at their current situation versus something potential, whether it's going from a big company to a small company or just one company to the next or even one role to the next, even within the same company. Really, really good piece of advice there, Mike. Thank you. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I appreciate that. You know, it's it's one of those things too, right? It's it's always you you can think the grass is greener, but you have to you have to understand what the opportunity could give you that may not be apparent right way. And I will tell you, you know, when I first stepped into that new role, it wasn't a fantastic situation for a while, but I also think about the amount of things that I learned in my time being there that I have carried throughout my whole career.
1: Yeah, that's huge. Risk, reward, the beauty of the startup world.
0: (laughs) You do have the ability
1: to get exposed to an awful lot of things, but there is also a lot of chaos that comes with it. So you got to be able to handle both sides of that. So when you joined this company and you inherited a team of nine, and this is the first time you've been technically been in a people leadership position. I mean, how did you navigate that situation having never been in that situation before?
0: Yeah, I think... I leaned on relationship skills because that's at the end of the day, that's what it is. And that's, that's something that I've, you know, done at all parts in my career over 20 plus years, right. Is I like building relationships that's internal, that's external. That's why I ultimately pivoted to being, you know, kind of a customer facing exec over time too, right. There's a lot of trust that has to be built, right. Cause you're coming into an incumbent team. I'll even, I'll even give you some extra context there because one of the people that, that was on my team that I inherited had been passed over for the job that I ended up getting more than once. And so it was, it was not an easy situation to have to build those relationships and to build trust. Uh, but ultimately I really, I really leaned on, on, on understanding where they were coming from, helping them understand where I was coming from and really trying to find common ground because it is about building a relationship at the end of the day.
1: Let's drill in on that a little bit because uh, virtually everybody in some form or fashion has been in a situation where they either came in from the outside like you did and inherited a team or they got promoted from within and it was, you know, because they couldn't promote everybody, it was at the expense of somebody else not getting into that position who probably wanted it at some point. So take us a little bit deeper into some of the relationship building that you had to do when you knew the individual you were trying to build this relationship with was really kind of envious that you got this position and you weren't even from the within the company. You know, how did you overcome some of those challenges and, and perhaps perceptions of what you were doing coming in?
0: I'm always the type of person that tries to create a structure for everyone to be successful, right? And sometimes that's for people to be successful with you on the team, for them to be successful in another team at the company or to help them find what their next path is, right? And I, and it, and it's, you know, those are difficult conversations, but I think you have to get to this level of trust and that takes time, right? Especially in a situation like that where maybe somebody is a little bit not has not been in the best light in Relation to the role that you've been stepped that you've stepped into, it's a lot of kind of open conversation and really creating a forum that allows for for kind of honesty in that discussion. Because it's like it's not like I stepped into that and said, you know, this is the way, this is my path, and we're going to go down this path, right? It was, you know, look, I understand how difficult this is for you. And I understand what that means, you know, in the longer term picture for you as well, and I want to be sensitive to that, but I also want to help you be successful. So I think it's you know creating an open space to have that conversation, but being willing to say, "Look, I understand the difficulty you you, you have to address the elephant in the room. you can't avoid it, right It's you need to you need to at least have the conversation and allow it to be an okay conversation that can be had and you know. It was it was bumpy for a stretch, but I do think that we got to a place of mutual understanding. I think we got to definitely got to a place of mutual respect. It was there was never there was never any animosity in it, but I acknowledged the fact that it was difficult and that that's you know that's a that's a tough pill to swallow. But also at the end of the day, what I'm trying to do is for the team to be successful, for the individuals on the team to be successful, and for us to kind of get to where we need to be.
1: The fact that you had the awareness at that time first time in people leadership position team of nine coming in from the outside inheriting a team where people wanted to be in your position and you had the awareness to say look I, my focus needs to be here on the people and building a framework and a structure for success for everybody. I mean, that shows tremendous just leadership period across the board. I'm curious if there was, you know, any guidance that you received, the uh, executives, either at your previous company or the current company that kind of led you down that path. A lot of people, in on this podcast, and I've said I've gotten into this the first leadership position. They're like, I really screwed it up for a couple of years, right? <laughs> and and it, it's fair. Like everybody comes at it from a different place, but sometimes what we're exposed to helps us, you know, shape how we show up. Was there any particular guidance or advice that you received that helped you helped you get through this time?
0: I think I look at all points, you know, in my career, and there's there's always been you know, solid mentors, solid, you know, even solid, you know, colleagues that you could lean on as a sounding board. I think, I think when I stepped into that particular role, I, I, I stepped onto a, you know, a leadership team that was very open. So I think we, we created a good bond that way. And there was a lot of, you know, leaning on peers, thinking through some of these things, because look, it was, you know, it wasn't all rosy, right? I mean, there was, there was definitely some difficulty in that process. And, uh, as a team you have to you have to know that that's going to be the case but yeah i i definitely have always had folks that I've leaned on as, as mentors and, and leaders. You know, I had a good example in my dad is, you know, watching my dad through his business and through, through businesses that he was a part of and how he was able to, uh, you know, to kind of always foster relationships in that process. And I think I, you know, I leaned on that a lot. But I think every, every place in my career, I've had a solid place that, that was a sounding board that allowed, you know, allowed for some of those difficult conversations to happen that were, that were non-threatening.
1: In that sounding board like throughout your career is that something that was is usually an internal thing because everybody has context and around what's going on or are you referring to a sounding board externally where peers and th- people in
0: the industry
1: um, who you can get a bit more objective perspective from?
0: I think it's got to be both. I mean, I even think about it now, right? I mean, the, the, the conversations that you can have with somebody who directly reports to you, you know, you can have an open conversation, but sometimes that's still difficult to cross, you know, certain conversation barriers, right? So it's like, how do you, how do you have those conversations? And I think sometimes there's a, there's a, there's a value. And, and, and I will tell people on my teams to this day to lean into relationships they have with you know, my peers or, you know, whether it's in the company or otherwise, and to find those places where they can, you know, where they can, they can talk about some of those things and air some of those things out because they, you know, they need context. That's not just, you know, context with one person. They need to be able to, to have that content to get, to get different perspectives and to really kind of feed that into a larger conversation for sure.
1: Yeah, okay, so this is a really interesting point and conceptually I'm sure everybody agrees regardless of level, first-time manager, director, VP, whatever, that having a sounding board internally and externally is a valuable thing. However, my gut says there's a fair amount of hesitation on some some people's minds, right? About how to go about this from an external perspective. And internal is a little bit easier because we're all in the same boat and it's, you know, it's fairly straightforward external though however right when there's networking and when there's events and when there's things like that that's one level but what we're talking about is something completely different i mean this is something sounding board does some very personal and real real situations where you know perspective and advice and guidance is appreciated so what advice have you do you provide to your leaders in in either now or throughout your career for how to build that, you know, group of people that can be your sounding board externally. And specifically, like, how do you even get started doing that?
0: Yeah. And I think getting starting sometimes is the hardest piece, right? You know, as you, as you develop in your career, you build relationships, you keep relationships, you kind of, there's a longevity that comes along with that. And I, I know that I have people, you know, that I can draw on from years of working that, that, that I can still have that sounding board conversation and they may only have partial context to what the situation is, but you touch on it very specifically, right? It's like the the thing that, the thing that is often lacking you know in in any of those discussions is the situational piece right i i know that i can draw on you know 20 years of multiple companies multiple teams multiple company cultures multiple leadership teams and things like that and and can kind of pull on all those things but i know that not everybody has that kind of that kind of broader context. So sometimes it's hard when you're thinking very specifically. I think if I look at things that are going on from a networking perspective these days, right, especially because I work in customer success, customer success is an amazingly open and welcoming community. And there are so many opportunities for people at your same level, at different levels, to have these conversations, specifically about either things that you're working on that are difficulties, things that you're, you know, struggling with from a hiring perspective, things that you're struggling with, you know, you know, in a people dynamics perspective. But I think that, you know, you've got to find those places that, that are going to, to be meaningful enough and help, you know, help understand your situation enough because all of the people dynamics pieces are situations. And if you haven't been in that situation, you have to say, you have to lean on people that, you know, might have been in that situation to help you understand, you know, how to maybe think about it differently. It's always very interesting. I think about it, you know, when you pull a group of leaders together and you start hearing similar stories or similar things, there's always common themes, but it's never exactly the same situation. So then it's like, can you pull on some of those nuggets of information or nugget, you know, things that you can do situationally to maybe think differently about your own situation?
1: We'll get back to the interview in just a minute. This episode is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. The B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. Head on over to B2BLeadersAcademy.com to join and become the leader you've always wanted to be now let's get back to the interview when you connect you know with those people there's a there's a give and take right we we're never just putting ourselves in a position to ask for guidance all the time without returning anything in in return. So what is the reciprocal side that somebody starting out would be important for them to think about? Because we don't just go ask somebody else, hey, I have an issue. I want to run this by you blah, blah, blah. Like, it's all me focused, right? And in relationship building, it's a two-way street. So, you know, what are some of the, the benefits that you've shared with your teams or your leaders where you've said, you know, this is a great way to approach the conversation. Think about it not only as from your perspective, but also what you can offer to them. Like, what are the types of things that you would advise people to lead with when they are making these connections with other leaders?
0: Yeah. I think, I think one of the things that, that we all tend to do is try and immediately solution, right? Because I think in any of those conversations, we, we, we have a solve in mind, we have, you know, something that we can offer. But I do think a lot of times in some of those conversations, you have to, you have to just, it has to be a non-threatening conversation. You can't lead with, here's my ask of you, right? The, The conversation needs to be, Hey, we have, you know, like-minded approaches. I I see the content maybe that you're posting socially and things like that. I I'd, I'd love to connect. You kind of create a slight relationship that way, but then it has to be, you know, there's a little bit of a give and take. You have to listen as much, right? It's like you have to offer. Is there anything that I can do for you? You know, hey, I'd love to I'd love to just connect and hear about it. You know, you have to create the connection. Can I hear about what you do on a regular basis? Can I, and then try and find the common ground. You can't just lead with the ask, especially if you're talking about a, a cold ask or, 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 you know, and maybe a, a connection request on LinkedIn, there's got to be, there's got to be something behind it that makes it meaningful. I always, and this is a people dynamics thing that I, that I pick up on too, right? I, I mean, I get requests all the time for people to connect. The ones that resonate with me are the ones that, you know, where somebody comes and says, Hey, look, I... I appreciate what you're doing. And it's not, I may know that in the background there may be, they know I'm hiring. They know that they want to talk to me about a role that I have open, something like that. But they're like, I would just love to hear your perspective on something. Or I want to understand, you know, the way you're thinking about what your team needs to look like. And and I'm usually open to have those conversations because, you know, I'm a networker, I'm a relationship person, you know, I, I appreciate that. At the end of the day, does does that mean that the conversation may pivot to, hey, I saw that you're looking to, to hire some enterprise customer success managers. You know, at that point, there's a relationship that's been created. So you've got to start there first.
1: Different ask at that point in time. And I'd echo your sentiment again: get connection pings and lots of pitches uh, across the board, <laughs> pings and whatever pitches. it's for, right? <laughs> for and sure. and most of them get the ignore button. But I absolutely 100% engaged with anybody who sends me a very thoughtful message, even just a sentence or two, and acknowledges that they looked at my profile or listened to a podcast and noted not just your last podcast, like, what was it about the podcast that you really enjoyed? And you hear my conversation with Mike. If you're going to reach out to me, reference the conversation with Mike and what something that Mike said or something, a question I asked that was really insightful and appreciate, you know, putting it out there. That's it. Like, it's that simple. But I mean, I'm talking like maybe one out of 10, maybe, maybe gets that level of effort put in. And I think that's where, you know, so much is lost in the opportunity to, uh, to connect in that way. Absolutely agree.
0: Absolutely yeah. agree. Yeah.
1: You've been promoted many times through your career, all the way up at VP level now with BenchSci. I'm curious if there was a particular promotion that was memorable to you for, you know, one reason or another, personal growth, professional growth, that something that really resonated and recognized like the hard work that you had put in. If you would tell us a little bit about what was the backstory, what was going on there and what was the actual promotion event?
0: Yeah, I can talk specifically about a previous company that I worked for. I had been, you know, managing teams and people for a long time, but I I decided to take a little bit of a pivot and went back into a, you know, kind of very high level individual contributor role taking on, you know, the company's, you know, largest accounts trying to help, you know, write those accounts a little bit because they weren't, you know, all in in a great place. In that process of doing that for five or six months, I was watching a customer success team that was struggling a little bit. I happened to be, you know, coming out of, you know, a meeting with with our CEO at the time and I asked him, I said, I see the team is struggling. I've owned parts of that across my career. And I just said, is there, is there anything I can do to help, Right. And maybe this is a <laughs> "be careful what you ask for" you know comment because I think a month later I, I owned it all. But from a genuine place of really trying to to help the team because I could I could see there was there was definitely some struggle there. So it was one of those things that I guess I, I don't know if I I didn't have that in mind when I asked to help. I just was trying to say what else can I do? How else can I be you know of service to what we're trying to accomplish as a company? And the end result was, you know, really getting to take on an incredible team, which was great that had, a, you know, a good portion of that team was a foot or a foot and a half out the door and trying to help, you know, put a better structure in place and put some positivity into that to, to create places for them to be successful.
1: That's tremendous. What a great story. And there's, there's a couple key points that I want to pull out there. Number one, this is the question. Is there anything else I can do to help? right? Fairly simple. Like you're going in again, not with the answer, just like you talked about before, right? And you recognize that there is a problem. I guarantee you 100% that CEO knew there was a problem too, and probably didn't know what to do or how to solve it. And then comes here comes Mike saying, hey, I've seen this problem. I happen to have some experience in these areas. What can I do to help? And he's like, hold on. I just put the dots together and four weeks later you are running the team, Right? How incredible is that? And that just started from one conversation, one question, seemingly, right? And put yourself into a whole different category. That's really just you know a perfect example of of leadership in and of itself. And you were at an individual contributor level before, not jockeying to you know take over a whole part of the org or anything. But you just literally wanted to help the business become better. I imagine that was what you saw on the backside,
0: right? Yeah, absolutely. And I and, and if I think about it, right? I mean, I people ask me all the time, like, what is or people who are trying to move from being an individual contributor to being a leader or you know they they feel that that is their path and and my comment is always you know it's like if, if you walk into a room of high level individual contributors who's the leader the one who's already leading without having the title right because they've asked the question they said hey i see this project that that really needs somebody to own it can i help or raising their hand saying you know we need to go do this you know is anybody willing to step up and say they'd be willing to take it raise your hand you know it's like it's a simple thing but it's also one that says you see that there's a problem that we need to solve right you may not have the answer but you're willing to go try and help find it and that's a big thing
1: yeah and that and the secret is nobody has the answer <laughs> if they did it would have been solved by now so it's okay But if you demonstrate your kind of knowledge and expertise and just awareness of the fact that there is a problem, perhaps you have some ideas about how we might come together to solve said problem and then propose that you get involved in some way, shape, or form and just take control and just push it forward. Right. It's as simple as that. And I think regardless of if you're at an individual contributor, you can absolutely 100 percent do that. Even when you're a people leader, you can absolutely 100% do that too. Stuff that's inside your org, of course, a little bit easier and more in control, but there's stuff outside your org. And when you lead from a place, just like you said, Mike, which is, well, is there anything else I can do to help you if noticed XYZ? Then you're acknowledging there's a problem. They probably have too. And you're offering a lifeline and they will probably take you up on it, assuming it's the right thing for you to
0: focus on. And that's yeah. it. It's an awareness thing. It's it's an awareness and and... And ultimately you're coming at it from the perspective of saying, I want us to get better and I want us to get better. And I'm willing to go help us get better, right? That's, that's a big thing.
1: That is getting to the core of believing in something bigger than yourself, right? As you've talked about here, leadership is not just about you, the individual, right? It is about something bigger than yourself. And so is being part of any company, whether it's small or big startup, public doesn't matter. It's about being part of and wanting to do something better for you know, other people, Right. The organization as a whole, the reputation in the industry, the you name it, whatever it is, you can help make it better. But you got to come to the table and say, well, I've identified these things. You know, one, is this a priority? And two, if it is, I got some ideas on how we might be able to address it. And every single leader will always respect that and appreciate it and say that person's going to keep on driving because they keep solving problems.
0: Mm hmm absolutely and you and and you start to find find ways to you know to leverage that mindset right and if you and you also have to as a leader we have to create that space it's like look i i tell people to join my team nowadays it's like please come in ask all the questions i want you to ask why we do things why we don't do things because we have blind spots too right that's the way we get better you have to be thinking about how we get better together that's right
1: that's right and it's just love this, you know, this sentiment of identifying problems and, um, you know, ultimately our ability as leaders and our effectiveness as leaders comes down to how well we solve problems, but has been echoed by many, many guests on the podcast. And there have been a couple who have pointed out almost the identical things to you, which is, hey, you know, when you solve somebody else's problem, you're seen as a very valuable part of the of the picture, Right. And so as part of marketing our own leadership and making sure people know us, we got to be known for solving problems. If you become the person known for solving problems, psh, you can write your ticket anywhere and, and always have uh, opportunities available. <laughs> so much fun. All right. So Mike, last question here, if you were to uh, knowing everything you know today, go back in time, sit down with yourself. uh, And when you walked into that organization with a team of nine, having never been a people leader before, and you could give yourself some advice, again, knowing everything you know today,
0: what advice would you give to your younger self? I think if I think back, right? And I think back to that time because I walk into that role and you absolutely have the imposter syndrome. It's like, why am I here? Did they hire the right person for this? You know, there's got to be a level of, you know, kind of telling myself, believe in the right things, right? It's like, it's like, believe in the process, believe in getting better every day, not knowing all the answers, being okay to not know the answers. That's, that is, that is something that I think a lot of, a lot of new leaders sometimes have trouble with, right? Because they feel like they have to show that they've gotten the role for a particular reason and sometimes it's okay to just say you know what i i don't know the answer here i'm going to lean into the people who can help me have the right answer but we're going to go find the right answer rather than us you know heading down a path that's that that might be a little bit off target be willing to ask all the questions be willing to not know the answers and and the other thing is trust your instincts too right because i think at the end of the day you got the role for a reason Trust yourself in the background enough to know that there's a reason why you're there. And there's something that you are bringing to the table that the team didn't have before.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Just wonderful advice, Mike. Thank you so much for sharing your hard-earned wisdom and advice and experience. Just all around goodness. It's just such a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for sharing with us. I look forward to hearing about all the incredible things you and your team at Benchside are going to do. Thanks so much. And I'll talk to you soon.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Nils. I appreciate it. It was great. Uh, it was great being here and, uh, and, and really love the conversation. Thank you for listening to the B2B Leadership
1: Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd welcome you to subscribe and give the show a five-star review. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at B2BLeadershipPodcast.com. As always, I'm Nils Vinya. And I hope you'll join us again next week. Take care and have a great rest of your day. This podcast is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. And the B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. So head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you have always wanted to be.